sometimes controversial, always politically incorrect, and pro-life without exception, without compromise, and without apology. It's the Pro-Life America podcast with your hosts, Sarah Waits and the president of Life Dynamics, Mark Crutcher. Well, hello, and we're back for another edition of the Pro-Life America podcast. I'm Mark Crutcher, and as you heard, I'm joined by my comical sidekick, Sarah Waits. Hello, everybody. And this week, we have a special guest. Brace yourselves. Yeah, get ready, everybody. <laughs> this ain't going to be pretty. Anyway. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's my daughter, Sheila. Hello. Hello, Sheila. What an introduction. Yeah, that's right. Well... Yeah. We're on your PR team. So. Oh, yeah. I would hate to have y'all as my PR team. <laughs> well, you've got to give us props for originality. Yeah. Yeah, but with PR, you're supposed to have a good reputation. So. Yeah, well, we're trying to clean yours up a little bit. Oh, okay. <laughs> Do the best we can. It's not an easy job. Anyway, we're going to be talking about the issue of adoption today, and that's why we wanted to have Sheila come on, because... Yes. For those of you who don't already know, Sheila is adopted. Mm-hmm. I am. She's my daughter. We got her when she was six days old. Yes. Um, on about the seventh or eighth day, we called the adoption agency to see if they'd take her back, but they wouldn't. That's see, I'm not really sure who I feel more sorry for, you guys for adopting her or her for getting <laughs> yeah, adopted for by sure. you guys. You tell people that story all the time, and they don't believe it. Well, you know. they ought to. Yeah. I mean, the ones that know you, Sheila. Probably. You didn't read the paperwork and see the fine print? There's no returns, no refunds? Yeah, well, that's the guy at the adoption agency told us, but he wouldn't give us our money back. and mm. yeah. <laughs> Then they stopped taking our calls. <laughs> Did they change phone numbers, and yeah, all of a sudden they, right. you find out that they didn't really exist? They're gone. No, I'll tell you, it was... Um, Greatest thing that my wife and I have experienced in our life was getting to adopt Sheila. We Bless had, your heart. Yeah, it shows you kind of a, <laughs> gives you a synopsis of our life. Anyway, we had waited a long time and came out of the woodwork one day, just out of nowhere. I could tell that whole story, but we don't have time for that. Well, Sheila does love a dramatic entrance. Yeah, she does. That's right. Well, she made one on that day. Anyway, like I said, we got her when she was six days old, and we've had her ever since. Now she's mm-hmm. 30. Yep. So... Anyway, the reason for today's show, or the subject that we're going to cover, is we keep seeing a lot of stuff by the godless left and the pro-aborts, which are basically one and the same. I saw one post the other day on some website saying, well, are you pro-lifers going to adopt all these children if you outlaw abortion? And the short answer is, yes, we'll adopt them. (laughs) They do realize that like, if you were to take a poll, the pro-life community probably has the highest amount of adoptions. Probably. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's clear up a few lies. I heard the other day this pro-abort, and I've seen this many times in the past, say, you know, there's about a million adoptions a year, 700,000, whatever the number is. And they admit there's about 100,000 people on waiting list around the country mm-hmm. to adopt a baby. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, well, once all those 100,000 people have the baby, what about the other five or 600,000? Who's going to adopt all them? Well, one of the reasons why the adoption numbers are not as high as they are is because of the costs. If you well, lower the cost of adoption, right. you're going to open the door for a lot of people who would not normally be able to adopt. Well, yes, And right. there's a lot of other barriers, too. I mean, there are lots of people out there that want to adopt. It's just that they, they you know, can't. Just like you and mommy, you know, right. had a hard time adopting me because of barriers out there. Well, and the shortage of babies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if abortion were to end, the number of babies available for, to adopt would go up. It skyrocket. And the price would go down. 
Mm-hmm. And the requirements would go down. And you say, well, you don't want low requirements. No, you don't have to have low requirements. But some of the things that they require nowadays are just preposterous. Mm-hmm. Like um, what are some things that they require? That well, it depends on the adoption agency. But one of them that we talked to required that the child has to have a bedroom of their own. They can't share a bedroom. I grew up in a bedroom with my brother. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. Now, in our case, it wasn't a problem. Yeah. But that would eliminate a lot of people mm-hmm. being able to adopt a baby. Mm-hmm. And the list just goes on and on. The other thing that you need to keep in mind is that a lot of people that adopt a baby would adopt two or three if they could. Yeah. But with the expense of it, mm-hmm. I mean, it was incredibly expensive when we got Sheila, and now it's doubled what it was or tripled what it was then. You're going to be spending thirty or $50,000 nowadays if you want to adopt a newborn baby. As more babies would become available, that would go down. Let me tell you something. Based on the cost and these totally ridiculous requirements that some adoption agencies put on, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's the state that requires these mm-hmm. things. Yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, if you went in and you took away every newborn baby that's born today, mm-hmm. took them away from their parents and gave them to the state mm-hmm. and said, now, you have to adopt your baby, <laughs> most of them couldn't. Uh, yeah, no. the vast majority of people could not adopt their own child. Yeah, they wouldn't have the money for it. The money, or they couldn't meet the requirements, or whatever. I don't know if I've ever told this story to you, Sheila, but I was still doing the uh, seminars when we got you. And the very first seminar I did after we adopted you, and listen, the news about you went through the pro life movement like wildfire. Yeah. And that would have been true with any other national pro life leader, but when people found out that we adopted, I mean, I was getting calls from all over the country, and they were putting newsletters and all this other stuff. Anyway, I had a seminar the weekend, I guess it was, after we got you. And I had already gotten a bunch of pictures, and I put the pictures up on the desk in front of me while I was doing the seminar. At one of the breaks, this lady came up, and you could tell by the way she was dressed that this was a lower socioeconomic person. She was very nice and very sweet. She was looking at those pictures, And I talked to her a little bit, and she started to ask me questions about where we got you and how much did it cost and all this. And I felt so bad for this poor lady. Because you could tell she really wanted a kid. She said, we've been trying to find a baby Mm. to adopt for years. The price has just gone Mm. so high. She said, there's no way that we could come up with the money to adopt. And she said, I guess we'll never get a baby. You know, with all this talk about the post office and the Democrats saying that the post office doesn't need to be financially viable and the post office is a service, why can't adoption be a service? Why can't we treat that like it's a service? Toward the end of the show today, I'm going to talk about that. Sorry, I'm mind right. meld over but, here. But, but the fact is, there's this assumption, and it's basically assumption by the pro-abortion side, mm-hmm. that poor people can't be good parents. No, that's and completely that's, incorrect. That's garbage. Yeah. yeah, That's total garbage. I've seen poor people, people that didn't have two nickels to rub together, that have raised better kids mm-hmm. than very wealthy people have. Well, this kind of reminds me of the FAFSA, the student aid that we had mm-hmm. to fill out. Yes. You know, every year when you fill out the student aid, there's this EFC, Expected Family Contribution, mm-hmm. And they basically give you your student loans or grants based on what they think that your family can contribute. And it just goes to show you that the government's idea of what parents and families are capable and should be capable of is just unrealistic. Well, and it puts a worth on people, well, a financial worth right. on people. What I was, what I was going to say is me and a lot of friends, we would look at our EFCs, and there's like, there's no way our families could contribute that amount of money. I don't right. know where they got this. Right. This idea that if we do away with abortion, Mm -hmm. that we're going to have hundreds of thousands of babies languishing Mm -hmm. out here that can't get adopted. 
is nonsense. Yeah. It's a lie designed to justify killing those babies through abortion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Another thing that you hear, and again, this is stuff that the abortion industry uses to justify abortion, is they'll say, well, what about the foster care situation? There's all these thousands of children around the country in foster care. It just goes to show you how little they know about the foster care system no, no, versus adoption. You're wrong. They I'm giving, know. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. They know. They're lying through their teeth. Well, some people know. Some people don't. Well, yeah. the people in that we're talking about yeah. here that defend abortion by talking about foster care, mm-hmm. they know they're lying through their teeth. Yeah, and it's not like they have these kids in mind when they're saying this. They're All they're doing is trying to promote abortion. Promote abortion. During those years that we were trying to adopt a baby before you came along, um, we looked at the foster care situation, and I can tell you the foster care situation in this country is a disgrace. Oh, yeah. It's a total disgrace. What a lot of people don't know is that I worked for a company that was contracted by the state. I worked there for almost two years, and I worked in the child care department with the foster care people and right. CPC mm-hmm. uh, paying for daycare for foster children. And the stuff that I saw, you know, Oh, it's disgraceful. Oh, man. It's It's really disgraceful. And, yeah, we do have a problem with foster care. Mm -hmm. But let's make sure people understand something. First off, if you go look at this foster care system and you say, I'll adopt one of these kids, a very high percentage of those kids are not adoptable. No. You you can't legally adopt them. Well, the state's perspective is that the foster care system is a success if they're able to return the child to their biological family. Even if that's not best for the child. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many cases I saw of foster parents I would talk to who love the child they want to keep the child the child or love the children and they would do everything right they would send them to daycare while they worked hard to try to provide for them and then all of a sudden the state would just take them away give them back to the parent who is not fit to parent or sometimes didn't want the kid yeah and I mean these foster parents would bend over backwards wanting these children but it was the state that was well at one time when um, your mother and I looked at this if you fostered a child, you could not adopt that child. Right. By state law, you mm-hmm. could not adopt a child yeah. that you've provided foster care for. Which is weird. That doesn't make sense it's to me. It's totally weird. And we got involved in a really sad situation. Three children had been taken away from this mom who was just totally 1,000% unfit mm-hmm. to have these children. She had abandoned them in a hotel. Mm. <sighs> one was a six-month-old little boy. And one was a little girl that was two, and the other one was a little girl that was six. Mm-hmm. And this is when your mother was working for the State Department of Human Resources, mm-hmm. and she heard about these children. Right. We looked at trying to adopt those children. Mm-hmm. Now, we had already been approved by the state. We had a big enough house. We had right. plenty of money. We could have afforded these children. They would not have let us adopt all three of them. Right. Why? They said that this older girl... She was six years old, Mm -hmm. had taken on some bad family dynamics. She was the leader of the house because the mother would just leave them for... She was forced into adulthood. So she was the parent, is Mm -hmm. what they were saying. Yeah. So they needed to be split up, and they told us we could adopt the older girl or we could adopt the two younger ones, but we couldn't adopt all three of them. Because that's doing that child a bigger favor by separating her from the siblings. Absolutely. And, you know, I thought... She has enough abandonment issues. Good grief. I thought at the time... It looks like to me, if you were the state of Texas and you had this situation on your hands... You'd be grateful. You'd be looking for somebody that'd be willing to take all Mm -hmm. three of them. But they wouldn't let us. And I told the woman, I was arguing with this woman who was a 
uh, social worker. She had a master's in social work. <laughs> and she kept telling me, Mr. Cruncher, you just don't understand. Oh, I have a master's hmm. in social work, and I understand the family dynamics are screwed up. And this little girl has taken on the role of parent to these two younger ones. I was getting so mad that I knew I needed to get off the phone. Right. But I told her, I said, let me tell you something. You put those three children in our home, mm-hmm. and within hours, that little girl will know who the parents are. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want to be a parent. No. She wants to be a little kid, and we right. will let her be a little kid again. But uh, she was a master's in social work, so oh, she yeah. was the keeper mm-hmm. of the flame of truth, and she couldn't be dissuaded. But anyway, let's also make the point here that when they talk about problems with the foster care system justifying abortion, they're talking about two different groups of kids. Right. Those kids are already born. Those kids are already born. Mm-hmm. You're not talking about kids that are unborn. You're talking about kids that are born. So what they're saying is... And kids will wind up into the foster care system because, like, their parents have died and there's no living relatives. Right. That doesn't mean that their parents didn't want them. It's just right. they died. There's all kinds there's of circumstances. All of circumstances. There, were all, there are all kinds of circumstances. And, yeah, we need to overhaul the foster care system. But to suggest that in any shape, form, or fashion... The two are related ...justifies somehow. abortion is yeah. incredible. And we need to start calling these people on this lie that they've been telling. Well, we also need to call them out on this gall of abortion in the cases of disabled children, because what they'll say is there's nobody out there who wants to and adopt disabled children, which is a complete lie. Right. In mm-hmm. fact, there are entire adoption agencies whose sole purpose or their sole thing is to adopt children with disabilities. Right. Well, right now, mm-hmm. something like 97%, we've talked about this before, of all children mm-hmm. diagnosed with Down syndrome mm-hmm. are murdered in the womb right now in America. Mm-hmm. Yes. In the United States. And in European countries, it's much higher. It's 100%. Yeah. And some countries are bragging about the fact that they've eliminated Down yeah. syndrome. Well, they didn't eliminate Down syndrome. They, they eliminated the people with them. We can eliminate any problem. That's like someone saying, we've eliminated the cancer if we just go to all the cancer hospitals and, and kill everybody. everybody. Well, that's not so Solving cancer. I mean, this just goes to show these people's attitude towards life, what they think about life, whether it's life that's in the womb, life outside the womb, anybody. They do not respect life, life. at all. And Any they especially it. do not respect the life of children with disabilities. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Absolutely. There is a stigma against children with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And if you really want to go hear more about it, you need to go back to, I think it was episode 16, where we're talking about the exceptions and hear what, quote, quote, bioethicists you are know, supposed to be uh, saying. Uh, yeah. There may be out some about there, using the Down syndrome as an example. Mm-hmm. I've never met a parent of a Down syndrome child who didn't say this was the greatest child they could have imagined having. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they love these kids. These kids are happy. They don't always have the best life. But who does? I mean, who has the perfect life? Who has Mm -hmm. the life they envisioned that they would like to live? You can Um, easily go outside, take 10 steps, and you can find people out there who are perfectly biologically healthy, who have had really Miserable lives. Right. Right. Basically, what the pro-aborts say on this justifying abortion through disability is we're going to kill these kids for their own good. Yeah. We're going to murder them for their good. And Mm -hmm. they're lying through their teeth. They know they are. What it boils down to is their value of life depends on what that person can do for society Mm -hmm. or other people as a whole. It's what is your contribution? Right. And that's Marxism. That's, you know, communism. That's the foundation of it. Like you're saying, they're they're saying, what can you do for me? Mm Mm-hmm. And so what they're saying is these babies have no intrinsic value. Right. Exactly. It's only pragmatic value. What can mm-hmm. they do? And yeah. are they going to be unpleasant to look at? Yeah. 
Or yeah. is it going to be rough to deal with? Right. There was a BBC show that Sheila was watching oh. the other day or trying to watch. Yeah. What was the name of it? I don't remember. It was appalling. It was about this family that had a little girl who had some sort of disability. Mm-hmm. wasn't sure what it was. Yeah. And the line in there, I think this was like one of the last scenes that Sheila watched. And I was like, you have to turn it off. I can't listen yeah, to this. Yeah, I was getting the, mad. The father <laughs> said, either the father or the mother said, she's too broken to be normal, mm-hmm. but not broken enough that she didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'm just like, I'm, well, that's the standard pro abortion mentality. Yeah. yeah. And so I can almost guarantee that a pro abort wrote that sure show. Did. It sure was, did. it was so heartbreaking and yeah. so disgusting right. to hear. Right. Sheila, I want to, we kind of blindsided you with this. We weren't even going to have you on the show until no. you kind of weaseled your way in <laughs> a few she minutes did. ago. She did. Actually, she said, Hey, you know what? I should be on the show. You should talk to my dad about me being on the show. <laughs> I want to bring up something real quick here before we move on to talk about Sheila's personal experience. Back on this situation with Down syndrome, mm-hmm. I want to encourage everybody to go online, go on YouTube, and you probably can just type in under the search function, Gene Stallings. Mm-hmm. He played at Alabama, and he was a coach at Alabama. He, they won a national championship under him. He was a coach for 16 years or so with the Dallas Cowboys. Football for football. people that don't football. know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, even if you don't know football, Dallas Cowboys yeah. is pretty yeah. recognizable as a football team. And Alabama, <laughs> Alabama's the gold standard of college mm. football. They are. Everybody admits that. Gene Stallings played in Alabama, was later the head coach there, was a coach at the Cowboys. He had a Down syndrome child. Mm-hmm. You ought to go on there and listen to Gene Stallings talk about his child with Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. It's a tearjerker to listen to him. They told him he wouldn't survive. He would be a vegetable. He'd never make it. He wouldn't live past the age of two. Then they told him he wouldn't live past the age of 12. He died at 46. And he was the light of Gene Stallings' life. And the Cowboys for a while. And the Cowboys. He went to all the Cowboy games and went to the practices. Mm -hmm. And there's a center that they named for him at the University of Alabama that the Alabama football team financed for Down syndrome children. And uh, tell me that that child did not have an impact in, in everybody's life. Well, and right. tell me that. And, still having one. And have the pro words tell us he should have been killed. He should have been killed. That his life didn't, right. didn't have any yeah. value. Now, back to Sheila for a minute. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> here we Sheila. go. Right. It's the Sheila show. Right. Yay. And we've really never talked about this, just kind of peripherally a few times. You grew up here at Life Dynamics, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. Did you think a lot about the relationship between adoption and abortion and that you were adopted? I mean, I guess. I don't remember, you know, as a little kid, but as I got older, yes. The reason I ask you, there was an episode here. You know, we used to do a lot of malpractice litigation support Mm -hmm. for women that are injured, killed, or sexually assaulted by abortion. And we were dealing with a case, uh, one of the most egregious ones, a young lady down in Florida. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. She kind of, what I say, died in slow motion. She developed a septic infection, and it settled in her extremities, and they kept chopping things off so that she'd survive. They chopped off a hand first, then a leg, and then an arm. Extremely painful. Right. It is just awful. And and emotionally painful. Mm -hmm. And it's emotionally painful because you don't know when they go into surgery, is this going to be it? Are they going to catch it? Are they going to be okay? Anyway, she was named Carolina Gutierrez, Mm -hmm. and um, she... um, was a maid at a hotel or something, and they came from pretty poor background. But her attorney kept calling me and getting some advice. And over a period of about three days, this lady died in slow motion. They kept chopping off more parts. And he'd call me and said, oh, they just had to take off her left leg at the knee, and now, oh, they're going to take off the rest of it tomorrow morning or something. 
And she finally died, and she was basically just a trunk and a head. And that's what she was when she died. Head and torso. A head and torso. It was emotionally racking Mm -hmm. for those of us in the office that were dealing with this. And this poor attorney, I had an attorney I'd never seen or talked to in my life, and he's crying over the phone with me and saying, my God, they're going to take off more. They're trying to stop this infection. It's spreading throughout her body, and finally it killed her. Her safe and legal abortion finally did her in. Yeah. On the day that she died, the attorney called me, and we talked for a little bit, and it was pretty morose. You were about four or five, and you were at the Mother's Day Out or whatever Mm -hmm. at the Baptist church that we went to. And Tulane, your mother, had come by the office and brought you by. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in my office, and I guess I was kind of in a semi-catatonic state because this thing had been so devastating for us. And I'm just kind of sitting in my desk, staring off into space. And you came running down the hall. And you came into my office, and you jumped up in my lap like little girls are given to do. And um, I guess you could perceive that I was pretty upset. Mm-hmm. You used to call the abortionists the bad boys. Yeah, that's what they are. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, oh, they're, so much, they're so much worse than that. I wonder if she got that from cops. Probably. probably. Yeah, <laughs> the theme song. But she said, you said, Daddy, did the bad boys hurt another lady? And I said, yeah. And uh, you said, well, did they hurt her baby too? And I said, yeah. And you said, well, is she going to be okay? And I said, no, she just passed away. And you just kind of sat there in my lap for a minute. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, and this is the first time I ever figured out that you had made the connection between adoption and abortion. And just like a little kid would do, you said, well, Daddy, they didn't get me. From the mouth of babes. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, it just Mm -hmm. rained emotions down on me that time. Mm -hmm. So I often wondered how much you thought about that over Mm -hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. You know. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's true, you know. Right. Anybody that's adopted, it's not that they weren't wanted. It, they just were given another chance, you know. Well, we made it clear different to you. life. And, of course, we never at any time didn't use the word adoption around mm-hmm. you, even before you could talk. So mm-hmm. you just grew up. Right. It's not like we revealed it to you when you were 10 years old or something. But you always knew that you were adopted. Mm-hmm. That was just a normal yep. course of events. Mm-hmm. And I think knowing your personality, like you always need to be the center of everything, <laughs> you'd like to be an adopted. And we noticed mm-hmm. that when you were going to school, yeah. that you were the one that was different in your class mm-hmm. than, yeah. all, than all the other kids. I mean, it's a very special thing. Right. You know, people that are actively seeking you out. Right. But, you know, we always made it clear to you that your birth mom did not place you for adoption Mm -hmm. because she didn't love you. She placed you for adoption because she did. Right, exactly. And she had a lot of situations in her life Mm -hmm. at that time that just made her incapable Mm -hmm. of providing a good home. And she loved you enough to say, as much as I want to keep my child, and she wrote you a letter, and and, Mm -hmm. you know we gave that to you, as much as I want my child, I know that I Mm -hmm. can't do justice to her. So she placed you for adoption. And that's the thing about the pro-aborts. The pro-aborts try to make adoption seem like such a bad thing. Oh, you know, they abandoned children or whatever. No, the fact that they didn't have an abortion, the fact that the birth parents loved their kids so they wanted to give them a better life than they could provide, that's love. That's not abandonment. That's respecting life. It's selfless love, which is the greatest form Mm -hmm. of love. It is the love in which you are sacrificing your wants because Mm -hmm. you're doing what's better for somebody else. Well, it's the ultimate example of love that parents have for their children. Like, Mm Every parent sacrifices for their child. Mm -hmm. There's things I can remember since we adopted you that I'd wanted to buy for myself. But Mm -hmm. I said, no, I can't buy that. I'd rather spend Mm -hmm. it on Sheila. And your parents did the same thing. All decent parents do Mm -hmm. that. 
Well, this idea that you would place your baby for adoption because you love them, mm-hmm. you'd put their needs above yours, mm-hmm. it's just the ultimate example of exactly. that kind of attitude. Mm-hmm. But anyway, one of the things that, that we need to talk about, because we see this from pro-lifers all the time, they'll say, why isn't adoption stressed more? We need to be pushing adoption. We need to be pushing adoption. Mm-hmm. That's the solution to the abortion issue. Yeah. And as much as we support adoption around here, obviously, it unfortunately is not the solution mm-hmm. to the abortion issue. No. And because what people need to understand One of the things pro-lifers need to do is look at this from the standpoint of the people on the other side. Put themselves in the woman's shoes for a minute. Put in that woman's shoes for a minute. And what you have to understand is, and this sounds cold, but it's a fact. Women don't have abortions because they don't want to have a child. They have abortions because they don't want to be pregnant. Mm -hmm. Ding, ding, ding. That's two different things. Exactly. Two entirely different things. So the fact that you say, you don't have to have this child, you can place this baby for adoption, you might as well Mm -hmm. be speaking French to them. Especially because there's a significant number of women who have abortions because they're concealing their pregnancy. From somebody else, right. But regardless, the fact is, abortion is not about not having a baby. It's about not being pregnant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's two different things. Obviously, this can't happen. But let's just say that you ran a crisis pregnancy center and... Your success rate with girls that come in that are thinking about abortion, that are abortion-minded, let's say your success rate is 25%. That'd be a high percentage, by the way. Mm-hmm. But let's just say it's 25%. Okay. If you had a pill that you could say, look, I'll give you this pill, and you'll give birth in the next five minutes. We've got somebody standing by that'll adopt your child. It'll be over, and you can walk out of here. Mm-hmm. Your success rate would be 95%. Yeah. So the issue is not that they don't want to have a baby. It's that they don't want to be pregnant. Especially for eight months, nine months. Yeah, and adoption doesn't solve that problem. No, that is the battle that we're up against. That's the battle we're fighting. And the pro-aborts, of course, come in and say, oh, we'll be the knight on a white horse. We have the solution to your problem We'll kill your baby and you'll just be fine. Everything will be just hunky-dory after that. Now, as it relates to adoption, I'm going to propose something here. And I've proposed this (laughs) to several pro-aborts over the years. And they can never get beyond it. Gee, I wonder why. I wonder why they Maybe it's because they're not really interested in any solutions. They Especially just want, for these women. Yeah. They just want justification. Right. If, you, if you're a pro-abort and you think that there's not the potential for all these babies that you're aborting, that you're burnering, to get adopted, mm-hmm. here's what I propose. Let's get the federal government. And we could probably get this done through the Trump administration right now, especially mm-hmm. if they get reelected. Maybe. Right. We're going to set up a national adoption registry Hmm. where anybody can apply to be in this registry as being willing to adopt a child. Mm -hmm. One child, 10 children. It doesn't matter. Ever how many you're willing to adopt, you -hmm. you put that number in there. And you're vetted to make sure this is not a bunch of pedophiles or traffickers that are getting these babies. And once you're vetted and you're approved, then you're in the system. Mm -hmm. Now, a woman who comes up pregnant or a girl who comes up pregnant is thinking about having an abortion. Mm -hmm. All right. She can go to the adoption registry. If there's nobody there who's willing to adopt her Mm -hmm. baby, she'll get a certificate from the government saying, you've been approved to have an abortion. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. And then she can go have her child killed. Now, this solves everybody's problem, right? Mm -hmm. It's win-win for everyone. It's win-win. According to the abortion industry, this is a win-win for everybody. The problem is the children in that registry would never be aborted. There wouldn't be one abortion in the country. There would be some pro-lifer who would adopt the baby or somebody who's just wanting a child, even if they're not pro-life right. or a pro-life well, activist. I've got a, I've got a, that's the last thing I want to talk about here in a minute. But what the pro-aborts know 
is contrary to all their adoption nonsense that they put out there. This ends the abortion, abortion business in America. Mm-hmm. They'll go bankrupt They're overnight. They're bankrupt overnight. There's no more abortions. Yeah. This idea that there's unwanted babies, they say, well, what about all these unwanted babies who aren't getting adopted right now? Where are these unwanted yeah. babies? There are no babies that aren't getting adopted. There's older children. Yeah. See, the reason why they're not going to go for this is because they don't care about adoption. They don't care about the babies. They don't they're care just, about the moms. They don't care about the mm-hmm. moms. They're simply using adoption and these children to justify their agenda. Mm-hmm. That's it. Exactly. Now, it's a scapegoat. I know for a fact mm-hmm. that this would end abortion, that the abortion business would be out of business. And I'm going to tell you how sincere I am about this, that I know it would end it. I'm willing to eliminate a large portion of the American people from even being eligible to get into the adoption database. In my view, I've always said this, people who support legalized abortion, who call themselves, quote, pro-choice, unquote, Mm -hmm. are not morally qualified to adopt a baby. They should not be legally allowed to adopt. They should not be allowed to adopt a baby who they say a month earlier Mm -hmm. could have been killed. Or would have been perfectly fine to been kill perfectly fine to kill that baby. That person has got some sort of mm-hmm. mental problem. They should not be allowed to adopt. It reminds me of those pictures that you see on the internet of, you know, women who have had abortions that say, thank God for abortion, while they're with their little toddler or, you know, with other members of their family. So you're saying that this child that you aborted wasn't good enough to be part of your family and you're glad that you killed them, but this child over here is okay. And what does that child think? Exactly. What does that little child think? I can tell you what they think, that their life was disposable. That's kind of a betrayal of trust of your parents when you Mm -hmm. know that one of your siblings didn't make it because they chose to end their lives. Well, Mm -hmm. this, this goes to something we've talked about here before. The legalization of abortion has had a incredibly detrimental impact on maternal instincts. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You talk about these people said, I had an abortion mm-hmm. t-shirt, and they're all proud of it and mm-hmm. bragging about it on the internet or whatever, and that insipid actress, I can't remember, y'all know who she was. Busy Phillips. Busy Phillips. Well, she's just one of many. I mean, yeah. there's a number out there who are talking about their abortions. People yeah. ought to go watch that video on YouTube. Mm-hmm. This she's one, screaming. Busy Phillips talking about how great her abortion was and how it made her career possible. Yeah. Um, she's saying that she's okay. Meanwhile, she's screaming and almost yeah. foaming at the mouth. You can always see the anger in them. And oftentimes, mm-hmm. you know, interacting with a pro-choicer, you can tell if they've had an abortion or not. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can always tell, Sheila. Not many yeah. times. You can always yeah. tell. Them. They I go mean, berserk. Just their demeanor, you can tell that they had an abortion. Obviously, something that deep down is wrong, you know. And they know it's wrong. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, I think we ought to have this adoption registry. This this is never going to happen because they're never going to go along with they're it. They're never no. going to support it. <laughs> it's not care no matter what. It's money no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, right. It's now, all I'll tell about the, the I'll tell these pro-aborts. If you don't believe this is a viable deal, I'll tell you what I'll do. Mm-hmm. I'll start a national campaign where we'll get every pro-lifer in this country to support this thing and say, I'll either enter the registry as a potential parent or I'll financially support the registry. Mm-hmm. Now, all you got to do is get your people on board and we're set. We've got this problem solved. No woman that quote unquote needs an abortion, according to you, because she has a baby she doesn't want, no woman will be denied an abortion, nor will she be forced to raise the child that she doesn't want. This is a win-win for everybody. So why aren't we going to do this? And the reason we aren't going to do it is because what we said a moment ago. They don't it, care about the babies. They don't care about the women. It's just about abortion. The money. It's a product for them. It's a product. And I want to leave with this thought. Sheila, one time when you were younger, and I think it was around that time, 
that I talked about with the Carolina Gutierrez situation. It dawned on me when I was holding you one time or doing something with you, how much you meant to us, to me and Tulane, and uh, how we waited all these years to get you and spent all this money and, you know, and then put up with you for all these years. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that's what you meant to us. Mm -hmm. But to the local abortion clinic here in Denton, Mm -hmm. What you represented was $300 lost profit. Right. That's all you were. Mm-hmm. You were $300 profit that they could have made from killing you. Mm-hmm. And they lost that money the minute that your birth mom called that adoption agent saying, mm-hmm. say, I've got a child I want to place for adoption. Yep. That's what you meant to them. Exactly. Um, so anyway, that's our uh, show on adoption. I hope that people aren't too mad at me for saying that, <laughs> that I don't think people who support legalized abortion are morally qualified to adopt a baby. But I'm going to tell you right now, if somebody wants to come in here and argue with me about that, I'd be happy to have them on the show and I'll argue mm-hmm. with them about that. Yeah. And I'll pound them into the ground on it. Because, Open call. <laughs> right. Because they are not morally qualified to sit there and say that a baby a month ago had no expectation of a right to life. And it was just a glob of cells or obligate parasite or a fetal unit, whatever they want to call them. Yeah. Whatever random, weird, nonsensical term they give them. But now I want that mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. yeah. You know, like these people are wearing these shirts. I had an abortion or bragging about their abortion, and they've got other children. Mm-hmm. If they think those children aren't impacted by that, yeah. they are nuts. They are crazy as drugstore rats if they don't think that those other children are impacted by that. Yeah, if you just look at the Internet, especially I think it's Priest for Life who does Silent No More. Silent No yeah. More about people's impact from abortion. There are a lot of siblings out there mm-hmm. right. found oh, yeah. out that their mom had had an abortion mm-hmm. and that they have siblings that they'll never know. You want to ratchet that up to another level? How about women that are carrying twins or, or triplets okay. who do the selective reduction? Selective reduction. Where mm-hmm. they go in and they kill one or two of the other babies but let one live. How do you think that child's going to feel mm-hmm. if he gets older and finds out that he was the one that survived? Especially mm-hmm. because there is a unique dynamic mm-hmm. between twins. There's a, a, connection. a connection there yeah. that even normal siblings right. don't have. Mm-hmm. Yep, right. If you want a good example of that is Elvis Presley. Mm-hmm. You know, Elvis Presley was a twin. Yeah. I don't know if y'all knew yeah, that. Yeah, I knew that. And he was haunted by the he fact. He was haunted till the mm-hmm. day he died about the fact that his brother didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Right. And he routinely talked about this to people who were close to him and uh, to his wife and so forth. But he had a connection to that twin. Um, and I've known twins. I went to school with two girls that were twins, and they had this strange mm-hmm. connection. It was really weird. I, I mean, they develop the connection while they're in the womb. You see, like, sonograms Absolutely. of them holding hands or holding on to each other. And then after they're born, they still hold on they to each hold other. They still hold on to each other. Yeah. That's right. Or you want to see something interesting, go to YouTube and see about the twins who mm-hmm. are separated, yeah. and they find each other later mm-hmm. on. And how similar they are. Yeah. How similar they are or how they felt like something had been missing, yeah. like they, right. that something was wrong. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Because you know what they were, don't you? Womb mates. Oh. I knew that there was a cheesy joke just looming around the corner. <laughs> they were womb mates. <laughs> the ultimate roommate. No, not room. Womb. I, I know, but I'm saying womb mates, right. the ultimate roommate. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. That could be a slogan. Anyway, I do encourage wow. people to go look at that uh, video. There's several on, on there with Gene Stallings. Watch all of them. They're pretty neat. And then also watch that Busy Phillips. And seeing those turn down two, the volume on the busy films. <laughs> seeing those two people and saying, "Here's one of them that's strongly pro-life, mm-hmm. and here's one that's strongly pro-abortion to the point she had abortions," and just see the difference in these two. Tell people. me which one is more mentally healthy. Which one of them would you want living next door to you? Yeah, looking at 
those who embrace life and those who deny life. Yeah, which right. one you know is more at peace? Well, anyway, right? we're way over time, Sheila. You dragged us through this thing, and it, it's <laughs> your fault that we're way over on time. But it was, sure, it was stuff I think people needed to hear, and exactly. appreciate your being on. We've talked about having you on in the past when we thought mm-hmm. you had anything worth hearing. We thought about it, hearing. but we flipped a coin and we're like, eh, <laughs> maybe not. Yeah, maybe Well, I won so. this time. I weaseled my way in on yeah, this Yeah, you did. That's right. Anyway, we're out of time. Y'all got anything else? No, I think that's it. I think that's it, too. And we thank you for joining us. And remember, until next week, Life Dynamics is not here to put up a good fight. Uh-uh, we're here to win. Why, Sheila? Because winning is how the killing stops. You've heard that a few times. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next Thursday. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye-bye.